As a universal church, the Catholic Church finds itself in a special position to help those in need, both nationally and internationally. Today, we're speaking with representatives from Catholic Charities and Catholic Relief Services about what they do and how their agencies are on the front line serving the people they encounter. It's Catholic, y'all. It's Catholic, y'all. It's Catholic, y'all. Welcome to It's Catholic, y'all, a podcast series from the Catholic Diocese of Savannah. The Diocese of Savannah covers 90 counties in South Georgia, whose total population is less than 3% Catholic. Stories of life, love, and faith across cultures, traditions, and geography. It's Catholic, y'all. Thank you for joining us. And I'd like to welcome our guests to the studio. Could you please introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Sister Pat Brown. I am a Sister of St. Mary of Namur, and I'm currently the Catholic Charities Director for the Diocese of Savannah. I've been doing this for four years recently. I'm Augusto Michael Trujillo with Catholic Relief Services. I've been working with them for seven years, and I am a Relationship Manager for the Southeast. I work with seven dioceses. Those are the ones in Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia. Who are Catholic Charities and Catholic Relief Services? What do they do and where do you operate? Well, Catholic Charities is basically, um, it's a national organization. So we have a national uh, office in Virginia, and then there are all sorts of local offices around the whole United States. And as they tell us as directors, every Catholic Charities office is unique. None of them are the same. So you can go from a huge agency like in New York City or in, La- in San Francisco to a little agency like ourselves. And all of them are doing wonderful work and work on the priorities and the core values that are established you know, for outreach to the poor and social justice teaching. Internationally, we're linked to Caritas International. So like the Catholic Diocese of Savannah, Catholic Charities is a member of the National Catholic Charities. National Catholic Charities is a member of Caritas International. So we are linked to international um, programs and resources, but Catholic Relief Services is its own agency, and all of us are under the USCCB. I'll let Michael go back and explain again Catholic Relief Services structure. Yeah, and Catholic Relief Services, as I mentioned, has been around for 75 years, And what we do is we focus on the international side. So we're working on issues of relief aid and development in over 100 countries, serving over 100 million people in the world on issues of agriculture, emergency, health, peace building, education. Just those are some of the things. So Catholic Charities, domestic, CRS International. So Sister Pat, for you, what's when the rubber meets the road, what does the reality look look like to you in your day-in, day-out activities? Well, one of the major things that's coming up soon is the Lenten Rice Bowl Project. And that's been going on in our diocese for a long, long time. So uh, in my day-to-day life, what I try to do is send out messages to the parishes and encourage them to get on board for it begin right with Lent, send out these little boxes and put them out in the parishes where people can make a little donation. It's a very family and school-oriented project because people can put it on their kitchen table, the kids can do it at school, put in whatever change they have, or if they're looking at a whole week's menus for supper, 
Just make one of the meals like meatless or not have dessert and put that money aside, not just save it, but put it aside, put it into the box. Even if every family sent $2 worth of their money at the end of this whole um, project, we would have an enormous amount to donate. And that money stays here in the diocese, 25% of it. 75% goes for other large feeding programs nationally. But 25% goes here, and um, our local pantries get it to give out in groceries, Thanksgiving baskets, Christmas baskets. Uh, Social Apostolate here in town does the feeding program for the homeless. Around our diocese, we have uh, many, many programs that do either hot meals or um, bags of snacks and lunches for people. And we send out all that money. As soon as it comes in, I divide it up and it goes out. So that's one of the main real concrete things that we do right now. Sister Pat and I had lunch earlier today, and we were talking about how great you know, our churches and that we're called to help and people can help in so many different ways. And Rice Bowl is one of those opportunities that you can put your faith into action. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, there's so much need here, which is so true. There's so much need in our own communities here in Georgia. And there's also so much need in other countries. And I think the beautiful um, aspect of our faith of being Catholic is that we're a universal faith. So we're called to help not only here, but overseas because they're all God's children. So it's a good opportunity for us to help here and overseas. And one of the nice things is that education and um, uh, teaching on global solidarity is just integral to this project. So when they get the little rice bowl box and um, the app, there's an app they can download because, of course, we live in this century. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are prayers and there are ideas and... um, There's information about different countries that are celebrated each week during Lent, and then there are recipes they can follow so that if it's from a Central American country, they might have a recipe for rice and beans or something, um, which is another way to educate people, to just get them into the culture of the people who are needy and who will be helped by this um, project. We, We feel really strongly about our children being exposed to something bigger than their own little um, parish or city. That's fantastic. And then with the universality of our church and the mission of CRS on that global scale, what does CRS do internationally? What are some of y'all's big efforts? Um, how, do, how do people in, in the developing worlds, how do they see CRS interacting with them? Yeah, I would say we focus our outreach efforts on three different ways, uh, kind of the main, three main focus areas. One is emergency response and recovery. So what you're hearing on the news um, is pretty much where CRS is working. In Bangladesh, we are working with the refugee crisis from the Rohingya. You know, as you know, you hear on the news where the Rohingya um, community is being wiped out. And many of them are fleeing their communities to go to Bangladesh. And what CRS is doing is we're working in those refugee camps. And to give some meat to that, um, in particular, we're providing two-month supply of emergency um, relief kits. And that has served 70,000 people in those uh, camps right now. You know, uh, we're also doing agricultural work. So Sister Pat and I probably will share some of our stories, but uh, we've seen some of the agricultural work in Burkina Faso and Rwanda. And then health is our third biggest um, focus area. So I would say emergency response, agriculture, and health are our three big um, focus areas across the world. So y'all have had some opportunities to travel and see the work that CRS is doing. Where have y'all been, and, and what did y'all really take away from the experience? 
Well, last September, a year ago, September 2016, um, the director of faith formation, Ann Pinckney, who is our diocesan director of evangelization now, and Father Pablo uh, Migoni, who is our chancellor and director of vocations, and I had the pleasure of going with another group of people from two other dioceses to Rwanda. And uh, it's been 22 years since the genocide in Rwanda. My own community is an international community, and we've had sisters there since the um, 60s. And I lived with some of those sisters early on in the 60s, and then I visited again in the 80s, and then again this time was an amazing opportunity. But the first thing we did was we gathered together, we got some orientation for this trip, we uh, prepared ourselves by sharing faith every night. We had a little faith reflection on what was happening. And um, we were exposed to the different projects. First, we met the whole team in Kigali. And we're just amazed at how much the team is working together on many, many projects. Um, the one that impressed me the most, I have to say, was the one called Kosopax, which is a women's project uh, for women for three countries, Rwanda, Burundi, Burundi, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, those countries have been rivals and enemies and had wars among them for many, many years. Even though they share a lot of the same culture between Rwanda and Burundi, um, but what the CRS was able to do was identify the need for peace building and bridge building there, and they recruited from the department the um, the Episcopal conferences justice and peace conferences. You know, they have little commissions on justice and peace in all three dioceses, or three countries. And so um, they had about 60 women who came together on a regular basis once a month for several years by the time we got there, and who were able to understand something about constructing peace. They were working on peace building, conflict resolution, and economic development, because all of them were small business owners. Well, what's a small business owner in Rwanda? It's a woman who goes from Rwanda across the water to the Democratic Republic of Congo and buys um, huge amounts of rice or, or wheat or something, uh, plantains, and brings them back and sells them in Rwanda, and vice versa. So they do that constant uh, negotiating among the three countries. And of course, uh, they, they needed to learn things like, well, how do you account for that? How do you know if you're making any money? How do you keep track of the economic development? And is your husband happy with this? Does he like having you be uh, out there as a businesswoman or would he have you be home? So all of those issues came up. And they shared on those issues and they really worked so hard to overcome language differences, cultural differences, and uh, you know, kind of animosity that develops even though you're living right next door to each other. It's a, it was just a wonderful experience of what could happen if people learned to listen to each other and to try and work towards goals of reducing conflict and empowering people to move forward. I, I was very blessed to have an experience. We had two days with these women, each of them telling their story and translated from all languages. It was, you know, again, that's an amazing experience.
Michael, how about yourself? Where have you had the opportunity to travel to, and, and what did you really take away from the experience? Yeah, in 2011, I traveled to Burkina Faso, and when they asked me to go, I didn't know where Burkina Faso was. But Burkina Faso is a West African country, and it's landlocked, so there's obviously some challenges there. About 80% of the people that live in Burkina Faso farm to survive. And one of the stories that we saw was the Delwende Welcome Center. And Delwende means relies on God. We went about midway through our trip with some different diocesan delegation participants. We had about 12 people that were going out there. And we met 400 women at this particular center. And they seemed sad. And we weren't really prepped before we go at learning too much about them because we wanted to kind of learn the story from them. And when we got there, they told us that they all were homeless. And we said, why are you homeless? Why were you homeless? And 400 women homeless in the ages of, I would say, 35 to about 70. And the reason they were homeless is back in their home communities, they were accused of witchcraft. Accused of witchcraft, we thought. That's strange. You know, I'm thinking Salem witch trials here in the United States. Like, that's many centuries ago. But in Burkina Faso, there was the practice that when a young child dies in that community, the community comes together to mourn, but they also lay blame on one of the females, anywhere from 35 to 70. And they say, you're a witch. You put a spell on my child. Well, you know, we're a little bit more educated, and we know the reasons that unfortunately these children have died is because of malnutrition, hunger, disease. But the community believes it was um, witchcraft that caused these women to kill their children. So these women were seen roaming the streets. They were kicked out of the community with no food, no water. And um, the Notre Dame sisters started the center in Burkina Faso as a place of refuge. CRS supports the center in many different ways. One of them is we provide food for that center. And we also provide opportunity for them to make um, income for themselves. So we provide them with tools to make clothes. clothes. And it, it's just, it was one of the saddest places. I'm reminded of kind of what our nursing home here is in the United States. You know, it's, nursing homes are never the most exciting places when you go visit them. And when I went to Burkina Faso and saw what I would say is a nursing home over there, it was really sad to see, you know, kind of what's going on with them. But I was empowered by the fact that the United States and in particular the U.S. Catholics, care about our family in Burkina Faso and is truly helping out that, those communities. That's one of the things, as you know, as the American Catholic Church, we're, we're so blessed with an abundance of wealth. And to us, you know, what seems like $2 over the course of Lent mm-hmm. can make a huge impact. How does that put us in a position as the, the American Catholic Church to really make that impact around the world? Well... The Pope has recently um, come out with an invitation to all of us to share the journey. And he came out with a statement October 19th, and that was also um, a day that they decided was Day of Poverty, Day for the Poor. So we're invited by the gospel, but also with these reminders from our current uh, leadership. We are on a journey, and we're in this together. And color, race, language, age, none of those are barriers to sharing the gifts God has given us with each other and to be supportive, to live in solidarity, to be responsive to needs. I always think of Mother Teresa who was asked one time why, um, you know, what should 
what should one do? And she says, well, if somebody's on your path, that's the person you help. You don't have to go looking very far. You don't step over the person on your path to go looking for somebody farther away. Um, so I, I just feel like as American Catholics, we have been very, very blessed. And we are challenged often to, um, you know, to share our time and our talent and our treasure. But in this case, it's also expanding our mind and opening our hearts to people who are different or who are uh, in situations that would never befall us. You know, we can't imagine that our mother or grandmother would be accused of being a witch if somebody died in, the, in our neighborhood or in our parish. And the same thing with these women I met. They all had uh, relationships with their husbands and their children which were difficult. They were pretty much very, very basic uh, uh, negociantes, they call them, but um, business women. They didn't have lots of money coming in. But they learned to support each other. And, and that in itself is a great blessing in life. I think that is one of the things that the American church can learn and, and already knows. I think the American church is a very uh, generous church, and we have encouraged our parishioners to expand their hearts to open it to other people. We have lots of opportunities for that here, too. I think every Catholic has heard the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that when we're, we're talking about Catholic Relief Services is someone can devote their time to really raising awareness for what the church is doing. You could lead a prayer service at your parish. Um, treasure you know, through Rice Bowl, the funds collected really truly make an impact in other countries. And then um, talent, you know, how can someone share their God-given gifts with others? You know, how can they inspire others? And I think, you know, Catholic Relief Service has different ways that you can get involved. I, I did want to go back to um, Bangladesh for a quick moment because I, I don't know if I explained it as, as succinctly as I could. In three months— half a million people have fled Myanmar. And the reason they've fled Myanmar is because they're a, a Rohingya people. And they have fled because other communities in Myanmar are killing and attacking that community. And so I can just imagine here in South Georgia, if we were asked 600,000 people to leave South Georgia and fled into, let's say, neighboring Florida or in South Carolina, what would Florida and South Carolina do? And I think as United States citizens, I think we would we'd welcome them and we'd try our best to help out. And that's what Bangladesh has done is help these communities, started refugee camps to truly welcome them. But 600,000 people have left in just three months. I'm thinking, wow, this is what's occurring in our world. And the Catholic Church is truly helping out. I mean, we're helping 70,000 people in those camps. Yes, that's only 70,000 of 600 that have left, but it's amazing, to f and, and it's empowering as a Catholic to say we're really helping out these people that are in true need. So I think, you know, as someone here in South Georgia, what can I do to even help those particular communities? Prayers. I mean, we are a beautiful faith that's called to pray. So if you're looking for simple ways, why not in your intercessions at Mass, you can include an intercession for the Rohingya people that are being isolated, kicked out, and unfortunately um, killed. 
And of course, Pope Francis is there right now. He just arrived two days ago and is visiting Myanmar. It's a country that has sent many refugees to the United States. Uh, we have not been able to do refugee resettlement through Catholic Charities here, but we are helping with some of the um, refugees to advance their immigration status. And there are people who did arrive here from Burma, from uh, Myanmar, and I'm sure other people have seen in their own communities lots of immigrants coming. I think knowing about Catholic Relief Services and understanding that it's not just people in distant countries that are impacted, but that we are right here offered opportunities to to integrate our faith with our talents, as Michael was saying, and our, our treasure and our time, that we could look for opportunities to meet some of these people and to know that we are on this side of the, the ocean helping them and CRS is on the other side helping. And um, it, it gives you a good sense of at least saying once in a while, I did hear what the gospel was about and maybe I can Maybe I can do my little part, you know. I know something that just happened recently that comes to mind is are the hurricanes that hit the Caribbean. Yes. And to have Catholic Charities working with Puerto Rico and CRS working with, with the, other, the other islands down there that are not U.S. territories, um, it, it seemed like a, a really interesting way that these islands are, what, a couple hundred miles from us? You know, they're closer to us than Manhattan is. And this is, you know, the international community that we live in and a way that we can get involved and really help people. Right. Well, Catholic Charities and Caritas International help in all those situations, and CRS is very linked to Caritas International. When I was in Rwanda, we had a meeting with the director of Caritas, and uh, he explained a lot about how they were very much partnering with Catholic Relief Services and all their efforts there. So, yeah, we don't want to divide. Uh, you know, they say divide and conquer. It's not going to be that. It's it's mostly let's let's all help each other. Let's each be an arm of whatever we can do in the area we're best equipped to do it. And CRS is very well equip, equipped to enable human development and uh, leadership development in the countries where they work. Uh, that was what impressed me in Rwanda, that at the Kigali uh, staff meeting, everybody was Rwandese. Um, you know, and they all had their own role, and they all had their own um, gifts and, and training to help in a certain specific way. So the person who guided us around and took us to uh, a project called Crops for Health, which helps for children who are stunted in growth, it teaches villagers how to not plant just uh, cash crops, but to plant also a little family vegetable garden and they have so little land that they have available because of the hills and all but they are helped with this and it's it's the original people who are there it's native people who understand the difficulties and challenges but who are trained and uh, linked to a bigger universal community through catholic relief services I know it's, it's almost like a cliche to say not a handout but a hand up. The community building, the infrastructure, you know, the, the investment in the population there, how do you all see the return on investment there? How do you see that generation after generation thrive and blossom? Yeah, I can talk about Burkina Faso. Um, we had a program that handed out school lunches to the students in Burkina Faso. So the average age of schooling in Burkina Faso is about five years. So anywhere from fourth or fifth grade, the students um, leave and go back home 
um, to work full time on the farm. I mean, they, they commuted every day, but they would just now work on the farm after about five years. And what we learned is our investment in giving those school lunches out is that we saw more and more students going to school. Well, then we noticed, well, more students are coming to school, but some of the teachers were having to commute a long time. And then we noticed the teachers were sometimes leaving just because the commutes were getting too hard on them. So we decided to build um, facilities for the teachers to live in. So now maybe the teachers, because they were leaving, now they have opportunity to stay there and maybe build their community right next to the school. So now we were bringing the kids to school because we had lunches, and then we were bringing the the teachers to stay there. So then, well, if they were still leaving, let's say like sixth or seventh grade, because the parents need them back at home, well, we said, well, why don't we have take-home rations for the youth? So what they did is at the end of school, they would take home food for their families. So now you've eliminated the need for the students to be at home farming every day. As I mentioned earlier, 80% of the families farm to survive. Well, now if you've given them food for their dinner and possibly their breakfast, then you're really eliminating that need to having to farm to survive. Now they can farm to maybe make some money in the communities. So I think that's just a small example of how CRS is making an investment in school education that can really transform a community, and hopefully now it can be income generating for those communities. That's fantastic. Well, Michael, you we were just talking at lunchtime about how sometimes good intentions and nice programs that want to send things abroad, help out, uh, you know, uh, Oh, well, uh, you see that on TV very often. Some child says, I'm going to give all of my shoes that I'm finished wearing to somebody in Puerto Rico. Uh, and the wonderful, sincere concern that is evidenced there is interesting and, and wonderful. But what happens in the countries when we send too much of our um, goods, so too much of the stuff we have that may be excess or whatever, can really debilitate a country's economy the local economy is really impacted. So CRS is very careful about that. Do you want to talk a little more about that? Because yeah. you're, you're on that side a little bit more than I am, the business side. No, definitely. I think of the situation where the earthquake happened in Haiti. And not only Catholics, but people of goodwill all around the world sent clothes. They sent shoes, as Sister Pat said. They sent water, many different relief supplies. And then you've seen images where when all these items were received, they were just sitting in a shipping dock or they were sitting in a a warehouse somewhere. And then what happens is some of the food started to rot or maybe the clothes started to start smelling funky. So you've seen images and, you know, anybody can YouTube all this kind of stuff and you see where they had to burn the clothes. But how awesome would it be is if instead of that, you know, $10 shirt that we just donated, why not just donate $10 and then an artisan or a farmer in Haiti could have now had $10 for their own income. They could have helped sell clothes, helped sell fruit for the day. So what we're doing is we're always encouraging, you know, like I said, prayers are super important. But if you're able to give some of your treasure and donate money, then that allows for those communities in other countries to actually make um, have income, which is really nice. And that kind of relates to to the what used to be called fair trade and is now ethical trade. Um, the 
Southern Cross put a nice uh, full-page article in this week about Catholic Relief Services and some alternate Christmas gifts. And um, the ethical trade program is where parishes or groups like the Catholic Women, the Council of Catholic Women, or the campus ministry people could have uh, a whole table full of items that come directly from some other country. And we have a catalog. They order them from the catalog. And then they are purchased by people here for gifts for their family or friends, and they're supporting the artisan directly. There's no middleman involved because CRS buys them from the artisan and, and pays them back directly what we sell here. So an ethical trade fair is just a wonderful way to get some beautiful articles from other countries into your own home that you can appreciate and kind of be a reminder of this other world that you want to be connected to, but also is a direct aid to people who are striving to improve their life by using their own gift of creativity. Yeah, when someone shops ethical trade, they're putting their faith into practice. The good thing about something that's certified uh, fair trade and ethical trade is that they're getting a fair wage for their work. So the artisan or farmer that made that product gets a fair wage for their work. Also, no slave labor. There's also no child labor. And also, the items are made in the highest care for creation. So there's just, you know, ways that you can put your faith into practice. I'm reminded of, you know, when you look at your clothes and you see that it's from maybe a particular country that doesn't really think of fair trade as maybe one of their principles. But unfortunately, here in the United States, we've, we've had to buy that particular clothes because not everything is fair trade availability. It's our fair trade available. I'm thinking of, you know, how can we change those certain habits? You know, so there's these uh, share the journey socks. Sister Pat talked about socks. And so some of those, uh, there's a share the journey, three pairs of share the journey socks. It's kind of funky colors, fun. You know, everyone always trying to wear cool socks for work nowadays. And I'm thinking, what a small way that you can change your consumer spending habit and really help an artisan in another country. So, Michael, I understand you have a pretty interesting family history relating to the kind of some of the work you do now. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So I started working for Catholic Relief Services seven years ago. And about two years into the job, my dad was going through some paperwork at home, and he found there was a letter from Catholic Relief Services sent to my mom. So in 1959, Fidel Castro came to power in Cuba. And as many people here in the United States know that many Cubans left in the late 50s and early 60s and continued to leave. But at a certain point, it was really hard for families to leave Cuba. So my mom came to the United States in 1960. It was easy for her to leave. But in 1961, again, it was hard to leave. And my grandparents had to petition the Catholic Church in Cuba, who then petitioned the Catholic Church in the United States, to get my grandparents to come to the United States. And CRS was the refugee resettlement group that helped get my grandparents from Cuba to Miami. So it's, it's just, you know, God works in mysterious ways. You never know how your, your path in life can weave and turn and, and why you end up in a certain position or ministry. And I said, wow, this truly is the reason that I work for CRS is the fact that my grandparents were resettled in the United States because of Catholic Relief Services. I think for me, the, 
the connection back to Rwanda was very, very special. And I was allowed then to visit with some of our sisters mm -hmm. there. And they, of course, are, are doing education and uh, health care very much. So um, I know they are also very involved. And when I was going to some of the clinics, I could see some of the supplies from Catholic Relief Services around. And it, it is a really integral part of our faith to um, to, to live in solidarity and to offer what we can to each other and to support whatever is going on. And that, to me, is a great blessing. We could, uh, we'd love to end with the prayer for the journey here. Absolutely. Would more that be okay? More, yeah. Michael and I could read it together. Can you see it? Yeah. Okay. God, God of, of the, the journey, journey, wherever we stumble on life's roads, roads you, you are, are with us. us. Your love enables us to get back up and start again. May our Lenten prayer, fasting, and almsgiving be an encounter with your mercy. May our experience of your selfless love inspire us to go and do likewise, becoming companions for our neighbors most in need and for every member of our human family. Amen. That's fantastic. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank Welcome. you, Glad Tim. to be here. Yes, Thanks. it was very, very good for us, too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with your friends and family. And until next time, it's Catholic, y'all. <laughs>